Welcome to Marketing Like a Mother, a podcast made for mompreneurs by mompreneurs. Each week, we are diving into mom-approved business and marketing strategies to help you grow a profitable and a family-friendly business. Today, I am your host, Olivia Radcliffe, and I am here with the amazing Jenna Hermans. So Jenna is a busy mom of four, an entrepreneur, an HR boss lady, coach, and an author. She used to be perpetually overwhelmed by work and life, but made a commitment to herself a long time ago to show up as her most grounded self. Her purpose in life is to help other people keep their censored together and achieve their most audacious goals by finding their calm. As seen in Forbes, The Sun, Entertainment Tonight, Yahoo, and more, Jenna takes an intentional and inclusive approach to developing life hacks that help others go from chaos to calm, which also, by the way, doubles as the title to her debut book that launched in early May of 2023, and I can't wait to dive in and talk more about that. So uh, thank you so much for joining me, Jenna. I really, really am looking forward to this conversation. Thank you for having me, Olivia. I'm so excited. And I, I faltered a little bit because I always try to think if there are young listeners on the podcast or not. And my go-to um, censored word is like shiitake mushrooms. I said, if, <laughs> if I say shiitake mushrooms, no one's going to know what I'm talking about. They keep their shiitake mushrooms together, but that's what it is. Um, just like I also use fudge monkeys a lot. Yeah. Mm, that's a good one. That's a good one. I've taken to, instead of yelling profanities, I'll say, you're really frying my bacon, kids. Yes, yes, that's a good one. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, all right, why don't you tell me a little bit more in your words, who you help, and more importantly, why you help them? So I help busy moms, mostly working mothers, um, a lot of solopreneurs and mompreneurs um, with their kind of infrastructure for business and for life, because same, same, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and how you yeah. manage your time and your energy um, in in all the places that you show up. And the reason why I started doing this is because I needed that for myself. And because I had a, his a rich history in HR and running businesses before I became mom. And then when I became a mom, you know, all my energy, all my time management, everything went out the window, had to start fresh and figure it all out again from this new place. So I started bringing in the learnings and the, all the skills and different techniques I used that made me successful as a solo working person, as mm -hmm. a single person and brought those things into my home life and noticed, ah, oh, it works in both places. And so it's same, same. And that's what I bring to my clients. How can we do the same, same, right? Of being able to have the calm infrastructure in all the environments so that then you can show up as your best self everywhere you go. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's so easy to get caught up in everything we have to do as moms, as business owners, as, you know, people who have things we want to do for ourselves as well. Um, that it, we can get so caught up in trying to just get it all done that we don't stop and take that moment to actually figure out how we are feeling and what we want to feel with everything. And I think it's very empowering to think that there can be some calm in that chaos, despite everything we have to do. So let's talk about your book a little bit, because I I'm super excited to dive into it. I just got a copy myself and the, um, the dedication in your book, you say to all the parents who are currently struggling, have struggled or will struggle with calm. You are not alone. 
And that's such a simple statement, but I think it's very, very profound and realizing that we are not alone in this struggle. Would you mind talking on that a little bit and why that was so impactful for you? Yeah, that was a saying that that just came to me so naturally because as moms and as I work with my clients and then just my friends and people that I talk to, you know, the story is the same. The threat is the same that there's so much isolation in -hmm. being a mom, right? And in that isolation, you feel like the struggle is yours and yours alone. And even though we all feel it and we all know that everyone feels it, we still stick in our little bubble of isolation of struggle and of overwhelm and of chaos instead of leaning on each other, instead of using each other, because we think, oh, well, I'm struggling and having a hard time. That means they're probably struggling and having a hard time. So I don't want to lean on them Mm -hmm. to be a burden to someone else you know, to another fellow mom who already has enough on their plate. And instead of saying, no, let's, let's actually lean on each other and lessen the load as much as we can, you know? And so the book in writing it that, you know, for, for those who have historically struggled with us, which is probably every mom, every parent in some way, right. To those who are currently in it right now. And those in the future, this book can be there to help to, reflect on mm-hmm. that past self and to remind yourself of I was doing the best I can with what I had with the knowledge I had with the infrastructure I had I was doing my best for the current of oh I see that I'm struggling now and I can do this better and or there's there's more that I can do to help myself and for the future of like let's get ahead of this it's I know it's going to be hard how can I get ahead and be intentional and proactive so that I don't reach burnout as quickly or even at all. Maybe it can be avoided if I build in that infrastructure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I will say that I I was very much on that end of the spectrum of either I didn't want to admit how overwhelmed I was sometimes, you know, how chaotic things were, how much I was struggling. Or the people around me, I also felt like they were having hard times and I didn't want to lean on them and add to their burden. And so I very much kept all of that very much inside me and did not let on. And it was rough. And starting my the second business with my business partner, Michelle, and co-host of this podcast, Michelle Pomver, um, this is really the first time I've ever actually opened up to someone and said, Hey, maybe I'm not okay right now. Like maybe it is getting a little too chaotic or I need a break or I need a pause or I really can't do that. I really can't add it to my plate and having someone who can just kind of hold that space for you and say, yes, absolutely. I get it too. And then she does the same back to me and I can hold the space for her. And it's just, it has been such a relief and just having someone to, to talk to about those things, just having someone to turn to in those times. I feel like as moms also, we have a hard time being vulnerable, yes. right? That we <laughs> yeah. look at others and we think, oh, they have it all together and I, I should have it all together. Why don't I? And instead of reaching out and saying, oh, it looks like you have it all together. What are your secrets? What are you mm-hmm. doing? What witchcraft are you mm-hmm. you know, doing in your home? Um, instead of reaching out and saying, I'm having a hard time, what are you doing so that I can maybe mirror that or bring or, or try it for myself? 
instead we just keep it to ourselves and feel like, oh, this is my journey to walk alone and I, or I don't deserve help or I'm unworthy of help, or this is the path that I need to walk because this is what's in my, this is what I have. So I've just got to deal with it, you know, and we also don't, I've, I've noticed there are a lot of my clients who just, who are afraid that others are going to look at them and think that they're not doing enough, yeah. right? That they're not, that they are actually not doing well. And they're afraid of other people looking at them like that saying like, oh, I don't like what you're doing or how you're doing it. And you could be doing it so much better. They're afraid of the judgment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think there's kind of a epidemic of busyness right now. And if you're not busy, you're doing something wrong. Like if you're not stressed and overwhelmed and have a million things on your plate, if you're actually feeling calm and peaceful and you may still have a a million things on your plate, but if you're going about it in a calm way and don't feel that, that stress, then there's, there's something wrong with you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, and worse, you can start to really resent the people who do seem like they have everything together or do feel like, they have that sense of peace within the storm sort of thing. And mm-hmm. then that's just a downward spiral from there, right? Once you feel that yes. resentment and that jealousy. So, all right. So you talk about your five pillars of calm, you know, the efficiency habits, community, communication, and self-care. Did I get those right? Yeah, you did. Perfect. <laughs> uh, would you mind if we dived in and to- top the words, if we talked a little bit about your your different pillars and what that actually means for your process? Absolutely. So the five pillars came from the kind of just all these different downloads that I had over the course of about a year. And I was writing down spouts of inspiration, things that I started implementing in my home, you know, tactical things that have made my life easier as well as mindset shifts and thinking Mm -hmm. and behaviors and changes with my kids, with my partners, with my colleagues, um, that all that I noticed that all made life easier and made me feel more grounded and were tools that I could pull out, you know, when I was feeling overwhelmed in different ways and noticed that there was a theme amongst all of that, all that content that I've written down, that there were the these themes. And that's where the five pillars came from. And so with starting with the first one with efficiency, I noticed that there was so much that I always felt like I had to be doing and I felt shackled, Mm. right? Like I had to be doing all of these tours, chores, see words, words, (laughs) words, they get in the way. (laughs) Um, I had all of these chores and tasks and responsibilities. And I felt like a prisoner to all the stuff I had to be doing. And for some of it, you know, it's like, we don't, we don't actually have to do so much of the things that we feel like we have to, mm-hmm. right. Or we don't need to be doing them ourselves. A lot can be delegated, just completely deleted off the list, can be outsourced, should be done now, or just could be done later, mm-hmm. you know? And so prioritizing what and when and how getting clear on all the stuff that we have to do or what we think we have to do, how can we get it done more efficiently? Because then we have more space, more time and energy for what we want to do. And that's what helps with our calm, with our groundedness. So making those things that we actually do have to do go more smoothly, more quickly, Mm -hmm. with less energy, with less time. 
And so again, by either just getting things off the list completely, by delegating and outsourcing, or figuring out when is the right time to do those things that maximize on my natural energy flows, the natural things that are already going on in the world and in my day. And so the there's two kind of sub pillars of efficiency, and that's time efficiency and energy efficiency. And so that's kind of the, the overarching of what the efficiency pillar is about, of maximizing your time and your energy to get the things done that you still have to so that you can create that space and energy for the things that you want to be doing. That's an excellent point right there, taking that distinction between time energy and like your 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 actual or so time what was the wording? Efficiency or time management. Efficiency. <laughs> oh my gosh, words today. Uh yes, no, your time efficiency and then your actual energy and your mental bandwidth and everything that you know goes into it. I think a lot of people get caught up in just paying attention to how much time they have and not really paying attention to what their actually energy level is or how their energy flows throughout the day. Um, it took me a while to realize, like to actually map out and realize that, you know, in the afternoons, I am absolutely worthless around two o'clock when it comes to any sort of critical thinking, um, which actually we are at 1.30 PM my time. So uh, we are getting close. That's why it's hard for me to talk right now. Just realize that. Um, but that things earlier in the morning are, that's when I need to sit down and do my big thinking tasks and really, you know, sit down and, and crank things off the to-do list. And I think that's one of the, the key things there. So I love that, that distinction between the two. Yeah, it's, uh, it's so good to notice, right. To be aware. And I feel like that's kind of step one when it comes to calm across the board is yeah. the self-awareness. Yeah. Just noticing. Mm-hmm. And then how about habits getting into the habits pillar? Yes. So habits is how do you, you know, the, the tasks, the things that you want to do that support your calm one recognizing what are the things that you could do to enhance your state of groundedness, starting from first thing in the morning throughout the day and ending at night, right? That what are things that you could implement throughout the day that can help you own your calm? can help you with that groundedness. And then how do you implement those things, right? How do you even get started with building a habit? And then also noticing what are the habits that don't serve you that let's say when you get into that 2 p.m. slump and Mm -hmm. you naturally gravitate to whatever sweet treat is around, or, you know, you go to your phone and start scrolling aimlessly on Instagram or whatever it is, right? That noticing, huh, is that serving me during that time? Is that actually being helpful for Mm -hmm. my calm or is that taking away, right? And those are just examples, of course, maybe, yes, those are great. And that's the perfect time to do those things. But like for me, I know that that doesn't serve me and my calm when I hit that afternoon slump that just brings me down versus bringing me up. And so how do you break those habits for the instinctual, you know, behaviors that we have that don't serve us and replace them with something that does, that will help lift the energy, that will ground our center, that'll give us that, that flow that we actually want to be in for the day. Yeah. I love it. So how about community? 
How does that come into play? So what was interesting about community was that was not something that I would have found as a pillar of calm if Mm -hmm. I hadn't left my home, if I hadn't left my hometown. I'm originally from Los Angeles and born and raised there, lived there after college, met my husband there. And then we moved up north to the San Francisco Bay area. And that was eight and a half years ago, right after we got married, I became an Insta mom of three kids, Mm. not Insta, like Insta, like instant mom. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And had a fourth child, we started a business. And when we came up here, we had no community, we had no built-in community, no support system, no family. We had one friend, but they had youngsters and had their own thing and they weren't like right next door or anything like that. Um, So we had to build a community from scratch. And as any mom knows, we're the ones typically, right, that find that community for our family that start talking to other parents at the schools and making, arranging the play dates for the kids and all of that. So if we hadn't moved, I wouldn't have found this as a pillar because what I noticed for myself was that I was so alone and so depressed in that isolation of motherhood. Well, it was also like emotional and identity whiplash, right? Getting married, becoming a mom, moving city, and then becoming a biological mom, starting a business that was, um, that is what we're still running now, which is called Be Courageous. Uh, But it was all of this change and transition and not having people around to connect with. And it became so and it became so loud, right? Of like, I'm alone. I'm alone. I have nobody. And I, and realizing I need to go and create this community. I need to find friends, need to make friends here, people that we can rely on, people that can be supportive of my children, supportive of our family. You know, there was one day that I had mastitis uh, with our youngest and I called a neighbor. I was like, I'm, can you be with the, with my baby? Because I, I need to take a bath. I need to do what, you know, whatever yeah. the cabbage leaves and all yeah. the things. Yeah. <laughs> I was in so much pain for anyone who hasn't had mastitis. Good on you. I hope you never do as a, as a breast milk producing woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it became so clear that that, what was, that was missing. And I approached it in this intentional way of who of thinking and asking myself, who are the people that we want to have around in our lives at this point in our lives, right? In, in this phase and season that we're in with four young kids and, you know, with my husband who travels a lot and we're building a business, who are the types of people that we want to bring into our world that are going to be supportive of us? And also, in addition to having that community of, of humans that we can call on, rely on, that we can be there for each other, right? Because I thrive in, in in that environment of being able to support as well as get support in mm-hmm. that yin and yang of, of the natural givingness of friendship and community. And then additionally, of just getting to know the people in our city, in our neighborhood, in our town, right? And going out and meeting people at the local coffee shop, getting to know the restaurant owners and the coffee shop owners and the patrons of people who are there all all the time. So I started working out of different coffee shops 
all around. Mm -hmm. And there's a tea, a tea temple that I went and worked out a few times and restaurants and different places. And it was great because it started seeing some familiar faces right over time. You, you see the same people kind of showing up and people start knowing your name and you know theirs and you're asking, how are your kids? How's your mom? And it's the sense of belonging. I belong here. People know me. I know them. And that is a very grounding factor to know that where you live is also where you belong. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's it's definitely something, you know, as, as solopreneurs or, you know, entrepreneurs who have global, you know, global reach, it can get, it, it's really amazing how much you can do with Zoom and other online, you know, tools nowadays, but it also can get very lonely if you don't strive for that, that community. And I will, I will say I met with an in-person, like an in-person uh, business friend today. And she, she gave me the option of we could meet on Zoom or we could go to a local coffee shop. And I jumped on the coffee shop. I was like, I want to see you in person. I do so much to work with people, you know, across the seas that I never actually get to meet. Like, I want to see people in person sometimes. And that's not to say that those digital communities can't also have their time and place because I love so many of my digital communities. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I've never met my business partner in person. We've only ever met on Zoom. <laughs> and it's one, it's like our funny little quirk story. But um, but there is something in embracing, like you said, just showing up at the coffee shops and starting to see who's there and starting to create those communities out of, out of your habits and out of where you're going and those like-minded people. So, yeah. And there's also, I'd love to say that the online communities are so important as well, right? For like, I remember one, again, when I was uh, breastfeeding, but unfortunately my son wouldn't, wasn't able to latch. I was breast pumping exclusively yeah. and I didn't know anybody else who had done that. Uh, so I found a Facebook group of exclusively pumping mothers and that's what the group was called and joined that group. And it was so great just to be able to be around, not around, physically, but in the virtual world, to be able to have a space that I could go and share a hardship that I was having or something funny that had, that had happened mm -hmm. with like, I had milk overflowing or whatever it was. There was one time that a fly flew into freshly pumped milk. I oh, it was Oh, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts just thinking about it, right? Oh my gosh. I took a picture, took out the fly, and then posted a picture on that group of like, what do I do? Do I still feed the milk to my son or do I ditch it? You know? Yeah. And it was amazing to have so many responses. Ultimately, it you know I had to choose for myself. It wasn't up to you know all these yeah, yes, hundreds yes. of other moms to decide what I do with my of how I feed my son. Uh, but it was so nice to have a community of people who understood, who yeah. got it. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And it's so I, important. I was actually in some similar communities like that as well because um, my son also had some issues latching, like. He, they put a put a shield on to begin with and then he wouldn't latch without the shield and no one said that in the beginning and then afterwards a lactation consultant was like well yeah obviously you shouldn't have used the shield and well, I, I didn't know first time mom but yes joining those groups and having those communities and being able to talk to people especially um 
because when I had my son, it was in the middle of the pandemic and suddenly there were no in-person places to go. I couldn't go see the lactation consultant in person or anything. And so that became very much a lifeline. So yeah, absolutely. Um, which brings us to the next pillar of communication, which I imagine is incredibly important and maybe kind of over overlooked sometimes as something that can help with the calm. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is such a meaty chapter, that pillar of communication, because communication is not just how we speak and what we say, but how we say it, when we say it, and also how we receive communication, how we listen, right? And listening is such a big part of the two-way streak that is the communication. Yeah. Right. And so that chapter really is is comprehensive of how do you share what your needs are and what's going on for you in a proactive way and in a way that it can be received. Because sure, you can you can say it so clearly, right? You can say so clearly, I need help with the dishes tonight. Mm -hmm. But will the person on the other side that you're asking be able to hear that truly in themselves. Are you asking it at the right time and in the right manner? And what's your body language? What's their body language, right? There's so many factors that go into being heard. And then also for yourself, building rapport. A lot of communications about rapport, right? And this, I mean, all of these pillars, but specifically, I think communication is a big one when it comes to work as well in the professional realm of building rapport, building trust, having communication be this two-way street of that you are able to also show up for someone else as much as you're asking for them to show up for you. I love it. I love it. Which brings us to the final pillar which I think can sometimes get a bad rap because it's it's become a bit of a cliche phrase nowadays. Mm-hmm. But I think it's so important. And that is self-care. Mm-hmm. Yes. I feel like self-care is what the whole book is kind of for, right? And and it does get a bad rap. I love that you said that because it's like everyone's talking about, you know, self-care first and self-care Sunday. And you've got to do all of this stuff for your self-care. And it's like, who's got time for that? Right. I know I don't. What I have time for are these micro moments, right? It's the moments in between. It's a morning routine. It's a night routine. It's it's a moment between calls of getting to pause, to just breathe, to remind myself that I am present, that I'm here, that everything's okay, that I can show up for myself by dancing in between calls is something I like to do. I put on a song and I just get my wiggles out a little bit and get my energy up. And so the way that I interpret self-care as it pertains to calm is making sure that your infrastructure, again, this is all about infrastructure, that the infrastructure is set for you to take care of you at the most basic level for sure. And everything else is icing on the top of that, but making sure that you're getting sleep, that you're eating well, that you're taking care of your nutritional needs, right? That you're hydrating, that you're staying connected not only to humans, but also to nature, to Mm -hmm. what's outside of you. Cause that is so important for grounding is that we experience our environment, right. And the nature around us. And that also we're moving our body. We're getting exercise, 
right? That these are core fundamentals of self-care that have been proven. And I like to call them the brilliant basics, but they're so unsexy, right? That <laughs> list of things that I just said, but they help stave off depression, anxiety, and those feelings of isolation and of feeling so feeling small and feeling or feeling overcome with overwhelm. And by doing some of these few basics, right? If you're getting your exercise, you're treating your body well by feeding it well, you're giving it the sleep that it needs and hydrating it and staying connected, that then you're gonna you're already better off than so many others because they forget. They forget. And it's not even about comparison, right? Like it's about doing it for yourself, that you are better off for yourself by taking care of these basics. And then if you can put on a face mask before you go to bed, heck yeah. If you can go get a massage, like bring it. <laughs> All the better. But yeah. Yeah. These are, and they're the basics because those are the things that we just need. We need them. And then we can show up as our best selves for our families, for our colleagues, for our community, for our partners when we have these core basics taken care of inside of ourselves, right. As a part of our own routines that, because they are non-negotiable. Yeah. This, I, I love everything you said. And I love that you just brought up the, the micro moments and finding those little things that are, you know, specific to you and what you need and maybe self-care for you doesn't look like self-care for me, but in paying attention to what what you need, your mind, body, soul, everything, what, what will help you reach your best level so you can best be there to support everybody else. I think that's super important. And I love your little mini dance breaks because I do the exact same thing. So Yay! it's perfect. That's I'll even, I've gotten my son totally into, yeah, whenever we start getting overwhelmed with something or, you know, we stop and we just dance and, mm -hmm. um, Sometimes it's in very inopportune moments and places, but you know what? We will dance in the grocery store. That's okay. Um, but yeah, so I, I'd love to learn if, if you have a few more minutes here, I'd really love to learn a little bit more about how you got started with everything you're doing, you know, the, the businesses, your book, everything, and being a mom of four. Yeah, um, it's a great question. I... It, this all stemmed from the concept of curiosity. Mm -hmm. I've always been a super curious person and curious about humans, mostly that it's around the human existence, about the human mind. And so, you know, I got my psycho, I got a bachelor's degree in psychology because I'm fascinated by the human mind. And I minor it, my uh, emphasis was in developmental psychology about how we as humans develop and the mind develops over time with different experiences and um, kind of the nature versus nurture differentiations yeah. on the mind and on the human experience and just loved that. And then I ended up serendipitously going into HR and not HR from like, yes, I started out in recruitment and I've done, you know, the the things that are not so fun, but at least for me, I'd say not so fun in HR, like payroll mm. and whatever. But what I really enjoyed in, in doing human resources was about being with the people, the learning and development side. How do we help support someone with their, with their needs being met to make sure that they're showing up as their best selves in the work environment, 
right? So providing for them a context in their workplace, which now people tend to call people operations or the human or people experience, employee experience, right? There's been a lot of rebranding of HR, which I am so for. And before it became a thing, I talked a lot about culture Mm -hmm. and how culture is so important for retention and for creating a great workspace where you get more creativity, problem solving, you know, with the new concepts and ideas in the air when you have a great culture. So curiosity, again, human mind, human experience. And I ended up getting my master's degree in organizational management because I loved being in this space, in the business space. And because that's where we spend so much of our time. Right. Right. When you're not at home, you tend to be at work. And right, right. so <laughs> we're spending 40 plus hours outside of the home in this other place. How can we make that space be the best that it can for all the people, all the workforce, and to run businesses from that perspective of how do we put people first in the business? So from there, I ended up, um, I, I started a preschool. I, I took over a failing preschool and ran that school for five plus years and used everything that I had learned in my psychology degree, organizational management. I brought in my HR and culture building and infused it all into this preschool. And I had a blast. I just fell in love with it. It was amazing. Just like such a fun time, right? I was also single, no kids and just dove, put all of my, all of my everything I had into this institution. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was then that I met my husband and coincidentally, he had three kids who were all preschool age, uh-huh. except for the youngest. <laughs> he was little. So I just loved hanging out with them. It was a blast in addition to hanging out with this cool guy. Yeah. You know, um, and so the, the I, I have, um, my parents split when I was two years old. So I had step parents from very starting at a young age. And then I had stepmother starting at the age of six and stepfather starting at the age of 14. So I had experience with the concept of step parenthood and decided, you know, okay, when I, I'm now going to become a step parent that I'm going to bring with it all the learnings that I had from my own experiences as a stepchild and infuse those into this experience, into what worked, what didn't, and to try to create the best scenario for them that I can as their now parental figure, one of their parental figures as a loving person in their life. So how can I bring all of that into here? And it's been, oh my gosh, that bad that I don't know how long I've been married for. <laughs> <We've>, <laughs> um, I've been mothering these kids for 12 years. Mm. I love it. Yeah. And the smile on your face right now, as you're telling your story and talking about all this, like I'm loving that more than anything, just how happy you are and how passionate you are about, about what you've been doing. And yeah, that's, that's really amazing. Yeah, and then, it's, it's been a journey. <laughs> And you, you said you and your husband started a business together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when our youngest was six months old, we doubled down on um, a business that we had started a few years before, but really hadn't done much with because yeah. we were both still in our own corporate careers and kind of started this thing on the side called Be Courageous. 
And so when he was six months old, we decided, you know what? Now's the time. We're insane. What were we thinking with that thinking? We weren't. We were just like, let's do it. You know, we're already in the deep end. Let's just go even further. Um, and it at the time, we were doing a lot of consulting. I ran the back end, back end of our business. He was doing front-end client-facing. And I still run the back end of our business. I do our HR and finance and operations. And I've been also client-facing with coaching. He does executive coaching as well. We work mostly with Fortune companies. We do transformation and so what that looks like is um, a lot of future readiness for our clients, as well as culture transformation. So it's getting prepared for the the inevitable futures that are to come. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I love it. I love it all. Well, I mean, I get to sit here and talk with you forever about this, but any last minute bits of hard hitting advice you have for the listeners? Yeah, I'd love so. The book is is written in a way that is approachable and digestible for a busy parent, for someone who's busy, who just needs to read a couple pages at a time, who needs a recap at the end Mm -hmm. of every chapter. Mm -hmm. What did I just, what did I read? (laughs) Right? Um, I have an ADD background. I still have ADD. I don't know why I said background. Still ADD. (laughs) Hence my speaking in circles and spirals. Um, and so I, when I wrote this book, I knew that there needed to be natural moments of pause to be able to reflect on what you just read, to be able to go back to easily, to reference, you know, later. The book doesn't need to be read in succession, but will, there's definitely a benefit to that, but you're not missing out if you, if you piecemeal it in different places. It's written like you're talking to a good friend someone who's been there, someone who's like, I got you. You're good. Let me share. Let me throw some pearls at you for you to take and and see what sticks, right? What works best for you and to take it one little step at a time. So it is as much as it is a, a meaty looking book, the insides of it are so easy to mm. read and to implement you don't have to go figuring out what do I do next? It's all right in there for you. I, like I said, I can't wait to dive in. And I love books like that, that are, I, I've gotten books before where it's like, oh yeah, what do I do now? There's so much I need to do to, to do this and it's overwhelming. And then I put the book down and I never, never get back to it. So I can't wait to dive in and, and have that conversation with that friend. Cause that, that sounds amazing. So All right. Well, thank you so much, Jenna. Where can people go to find you if they want to continue the conversation? Yes, I am on Instagram, Jenna Z Hermans. My website is jennahermans.com. I'm on LinkedIn as well, Jenna Hermans. Um, Basically, you Google Jenna Hermans, you're going to find me. (laughs) Um, But yes, through my website is the best way you can learn more about the book. You can learn about other programs that I have. Um, I have a blog up there as well, and that's you can sign up for my newsletter and I send it out to only twice a month because I don't want to overwhelm <laughs> the inbox with more stuff. And it's very concise and has great nuggets inside um, of Calm. Love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jenna. And thank you all so much for joining us this week on Marketing Like a Mother. If you found value in the show today and want to support some fellow mompreneurs, we would really appreciate a rating or even just telling a friend about the show. 
And we'll be back next week with more marketing tips for busy moms with businesses. Until then, take care.